Do you feel like playing? You might as well just center on up where it can. <laughs> just need a cushion on that bench.
Tell you what, I don't know about y'all, but this stuff got my bones not feeling good. Make you feel kind of achy, won't it? Amen. Let's lift up everybody's hurting tonight, because I know a lot of you are, and, and I know folks folks that's at home tonight are too. So pray for them, and pray for everybody to get well, be here for Sunday. Not forget, we got potluck Sunday. Okay, I didn't know. No, I mean, we ain't none of us young. <laughs> Let's be honest, ain't none of us young. Well, Richard's young. There's a young one in the room, so. Are you? Okay. You better watch where you're at telling stories. You stand, you stand up at the Lord's, Lord's table and tell another story. You better quit. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, good to be in church with you tonight. Amen. Is there any prayer requests for here? Remember to pray for us as we get ready to go over. We're going to go over uh, Saturday, Saturday morning, to uh, do my memorial service. Just pray for, pray for me. That's, uh, I've done a lot of funerals, but it's always different when it's your family. So pray God give me grace, say what needs to be said, and uh, pray for everybody involved. Uh, pray for my friend Paul Cullum. Uh, his health is not good. Need lots of prayer. Um, Lift up Scott in prayer. Miss Nell. Um, uh, yeah, Miss Nell in prayer. Uh, glad Miss Charlotte's doing better. Glad Dan and Anya doing better. Glad Miss Joanne's doing better. Pray she just continues to get better. Oh, yeah, we're not done. We're not done praying for her by a uh, long shot. But yeah. <coughs> well, we pray. Pray for her that she gets better. Pray for Donnie's family that they all get well. They will be back in church Sunday. Um, what was I going to mention? Oh, I got friends that I've mentioned well with. in Fort Worth. I know y'all don't know them, but they lost their house tonight. That's kind of sad about it, man. Uh, they just need your prayers. You got to know who they are. But uh, Lord, Lord bless them and help them. Um, I had something else, too. Oh, yeah. Um, Stephanie went in for a job interview at the Paris Foreman Ranch. I left out, and I know she told me she was like there wasn't no way to work. I called her back for a second interview. I think somebody actually read the resume and read the recommendation letters. And, and uh, so anyway, they called her back. She's going back Friday soon. Yeah, that'd be an awesome job for her to get to house. I'll say it's God's will that goes through. Anybody else? Anything else? Yes. Goodness gracious. Yeah. <laughs> it's not as bad, but it's still not good. It ain't not as good. But yes, let's lift her up and pray and all the unspoken requests as well tonight. Anything else before we go to the Lord's Prayer? Okay. Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Robert Lucas. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. 
77. Jesus loves even me. Aren't you glad of that? Well, I sure am. And I sure don't deserve it, amen? I am so glad that our Father in heaven tells of his love in the book he has given. Wonderful things in the Bible I see. This is the dearest that Jesus loves me. Oh, 
card to number 60. Number 60. The way of the cross leads home. Number 60. I must be so on the way of the cross.
But uh, it's it's other than the rain, I've enjoyed this week. It's been a good week so far. God's been good, and uh, and He's blessed. Amen. We're, we've been well, and everything's been all right. And I just praise God for that. Proverbs chapter fourteen, verse twenty-nine. Twenty-nine is where we're going to be starting tonight, and we'll go down to the end of the chapter. All right. Chapter 14, verse 29. Let's just go ahead and we'll go to the Lord in prayer. We'll ask God to meet with us and then we'll read, all right? Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I love you so much. Thank you, Father, for church. Thank you, Lord, for your people that are here gathered around to hear your word. Father, I thank you for the ones who who are here in person. And Lord, for those who couldn't be with us for whatever reason. Lord, some that don't live around here, some all the way across the country, some maybe even around the world. Lord, who tuned in to hear the word of God. I pray tonight, Father, you'd give us Holy Ghost unction and power. Lord, breathe on me, and Father, give me your power. Father, in spite of me, forgive my sins. Cleanse me, Lord. I'm just your vessel. Take hold of it and fill me up. Pour me out for your glory, for your honor. I want Jesus to get the the glory and be magnified through everything, Father. Cleanse my mind and, and make it clear for your thoughts to be able to be used, Lord. And I pray, Father, you pour those thoughts through my mind. Lord, out my mouth, Father, and help your people. Bless your people tonight. Lord, help us to dig in your wisdom and get all that we can get from it. Father, I just thank you so much for, for truth. Thank you, Lord, for so many so many people in this world are, are just searching blindly and don't know where to turn. Father, we're so blessed to have truth right in front of us. Help us now to understand it and get the most from it. We'll give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for all of it. In Jesus' name we ask you. God's people said, Amen. All right, Romans chapter 14, verse 29 and following. Verse 29 says, He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty in spirit exalteth folly. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding. So the wise man knows that a cool-headed person is going to get further in life than a happyhead, amen? He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding. The fool is not. The fool is quick-tempered. The fool jumps to it and just, just blows through whatever they got to deal with there. James 1.19 tells us, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, but slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Amen? That's not the way most people are anymore. Good night. We're living in a world today where
because you was an easy target. Don't take it personal. And years after a minute or two, they get themselves together and they fine. But, you know, that's the way it is with a lot of people. We don't realize that. But the person that unloads on us and it's ugly, that's probably not even us. We were just the person in their way when they decided to blow their stack. Uh, but anyway, we're supposed to not be like that. We're supposed to, as, ch- as God's child, he wants us to, take, he wants us to, to uh, be considerate of other people. He wants us to have a compassionate heart and not be hot-headed, not be quick-tempered. Uh, the ability to control your emotions and to express them at the right time and to the appropriate degree, that's an important aspect of wisdom. Uh, you know, being, being able to control yourself, control your emotions, and control your, your outbursts and things like that. You know, again, <laughs> it's important what comes out of mouth is 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 uh, is godly. It's important that what comes out of mouth reflects who is in our heart, who lives in us. Uh Proverbs 25, 11 says a word fitly spoken. In other words, the right time and the right place is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. I know it sounds weird because we don't, we don't think of things like that, but that's somebody else's artwork from another time, evidently. But it was beautiful to them, and that's what he's saying. It's a beautiful picture uh, when somebody can control themselves and, and knows what to say at the right time. You know, when somebody's going through something and they're, <coughs> they're really having a hard struggle, and somebody can can calmly take them aside and say some words of encouragement to them, and you just begin to see all that frustration and anger melt out of somebody, and then before it's over with, they're calm and they're thankful that you talk to them. I mean, that's you know that's the way we ought to be. We ought to be against to hear. In other words, I'll, I'll be your listening ear, but I, I'm not going to blurt out an answer. I'm not going to hurry up and tell you what I think. I want to hear first and think and consider and use wisdom in this situation. You know the word meekness. Meekness is is wisdom. Uh, most people don't know what meekness is. Meekness says I've got power and I can use it, but I'm not going to. I'm going to be gentle. I choose to be gentle, and that's that's meekness. It's the ability to choose to be gentle when you when you have when you have more power than you're showing. Uh, but it's it's wise to be meek. It's wise to restrain. Yourself. It's wise to hold back. It's wise not to unload on somebody. And the wise man understands himself. The wise man understands his responsibilities. The wise man understands the weakness of his own human nature and the condition of the world around him. The wise man is slow to anger. And again, knows how to excuse the faults of others as well as his own. Because you know what? We're all, we're all, we're all, well, I say we're all sinners. I'm a saint. I'm, I'm a saint. Amen. If you're saved, you're a saint too. Amen. Listen, I think it's wrong we, we call ourselves sinners, amen? I don't believe we ought to call ourselves. God doesn't call us sinners. Once we're saved, we're saints. People say, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Well, I'm not a sinner no more because, I, listen, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I don't want to get hung up on that. But it bothers me when people that are saved refer to themselves as sinners. But, you know, again, the wise man, he lets he knows how to let go of resentment. Don't hang on to him. Amen. Resist, you know, resentment don't hurt nobody but you. You know that? When you've got bitterness, when you've got a, a root of bitterness in you, can't nobody else feel it. Unless you're being an absolute jerk and being totally unchristlike, can't nobody else feel it. You just end up hurting yourself. And a wise man understands that and lets go of those things and, and then let them keep resurfacing in their lives. A mild, patient man is counted... An intelligent man, 
that's somebody who, who wants to take the time to learn and not just run off at the mouth. Somebody who's not uh, controlled by their passions but wants to learn Christ, who wants to know wisdom themselves. Um, to act impulsively without, without consideration leads to stupidity. Uh, stupidity is a close friend of prudence. I mean, listen, and if we just, if we just, if we let our flesh take control, we're going, we're going to make a mess everywhere we go. We're going to create wrecks everywhere we go. So the inability to control your emotions is foolishness and unfortunate. And these people like that. Well, you ever see somebody just absolutely lose it and they just start screaming and act like an absolute idiot? It's embarrassing, right? Again, it's foolish. It's the only point. You can't stop them these days. You're going to let it all out. You're going to let it all out. So you stand there and listen to it or, or watch the thing, you know? Uh, this word, you probably, you probably don't, some of you don't know this word, but my, my mamma used to talk about somebody being touches. You know what I mean when I say touches? Somebody, you look at them wrong, and they just go off on you. Redneck, cocky. Who are you looking at? You know, just touchy. You know, I've got a chip on their shoulder, big as Empire State Building. You know, that's the kind of person we're talking about here that the, the Bible is talking about here when it, when it talks about this person that, that uh, is hasty as good, you know, quick to get angry. Um, you know, he's a tinderbox, ready to burst into flames at, at a moment's notice. And he thinks when he, when he blows his top, he's commanding the respect to others to get them to stand in awe of him, but really he makes himself look like a fool and broadcasts a message to everybody within earshot that I'm an idiot. When I sit there and blow up and make my big explosion. God, God, ain't, God ain't for that. Amen? The Bible says you, you exalt him folly. Uh, verse 30. The Bible says a sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy is rottenness of the bones. The sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. The life of the flesh is contrasted with the rot of the bones, and, and a healthy heart is also contrasted with the rot of the bones. You know, this is kind of kind of a psychological insight, uh, kind of kind of kind of kind of looking at things like a what they call a psychosomatic disease. You know, when a man's having he's having Braxton Hicks contractions, his wife's in labor, he's hurting weather. You know, it's kind of like the what he's saying here, the sound heart is the life of the flesh. Um, basically, I'm getting off my notes here, but basically, sound heart is the life of the flesh. When, when your heart is sound, that means what? That means it's in good shape, right? All right? If your heart is in good shape, it ain't talking about, well, you pump all your, all your four times a day working on center, the core of your being, when it talks about the heart, when the Bible talks about the heart of a man, it talks about the center of his being. And when the center of your being, what the part of you that is your core personality, the part of you that, control, that, that, uh, that controls your emotions and your thinking, all those things, that's, that's the part of you that's talking about. And when that part of you sound, how does that part of you sound? That part of you sound because your relationship with God is right. And when you're believing with God, right, there's peace in your heart. Am I right? All right? And there's peace in your life. So when there's peace in your life, that's the life of your flesh, when everything is well with you. But the Bible talks about envy of it being the rottenness of the bones. Let's just kind of look at this a little more. 
the first half of this is saying an emotionally healthy person enjoys a physical well-being, right? If you if you you know you get around somebody who's depressed, they're sick. You get around somebody who's anxious all the time, they're like they're sick. They can't they're 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 out of whack emotionally, psychologically. Things are right. You're stable and secure in the Lord and, and, and your peace of mind and your heart is right. Now, listen, then everything's okay with you. But again, Proverbs 3.1, my son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Again, my heart, the muscle in my chest, no. The part of me that responds my being, who I am, <clears throat> a cool-headed person, an emotionally intelligent person. They enjoy life, right? You know, you heard of somebody being comfortable in their own skin? That's the product of a wholesome heart. You know, somebody that's doing wrong all the time, they're looking over their shoulder constantly. They're not They're not comfortable in their in their body. On the other hand, jealousy is an emotion that can destroy your inner peace and have a physical effect on you. Jealousy can hurt you. Jealousy can mess you up. Uh, jealousy is associated with rot in the bones, <clears throat> which indicates the nature of jealousy, which eats away at a person. You know, it's eat up with jealousy. We heard talk about people being, they just eat up with jealousy. Well, it's eating you up. It literally is what it's doing. And, but, you know, not to jump on jealousy too hard, because not all jealousy is wrong. Just to, just to throw this in here, just as a side note, it can be an emotion that, that moves a person to restore uh, something that's threatening. You know, again, something wrong with the husband being jealous of his wife, and, and some man is coming on to his wife. There ain't nothing wrong with the husband being jealous in that regard. Standing up to protect his marital relationship. Um, you know, even God is described as being a jealous God. And they whom one too, the Bible calls God a jealous God. Paul talks about his jealousy toward uh, people people being devoted to the Lord. Uh, he talked about he talked about he was reflecting the jealousy of God. Jealous over them with a with a holy jealousy, the righteous jealousy. Why? Because he wanted them to to walk with the Lord. He wanted them to follow the Lord. He didn't want anybody taking them away from God and and, and walking in the way of God. So, again, he was jealous over them of the holy jealousy. So not all jealousy is bad. But uh, when it's the wrong kind, it can be destructive to you completely. Verse 31, he that oppresseth the poor reproacheth his maker. But he that honoreth him hath mercy on the poor. When somebody does something wrong to a poor man, when they take advantage of him just because he's poor and can't help himself, that person has insulted his maker. That's what the Bible's saying here. He's insulted his maker. God made the poor man. God gave him his life. Now, I don't understand why some people are born poor and some people ain't. Well, that, you can ask God when you get to heaven. But that's the way God did it, amen? You know, again, God made the poor man. God gave him that life. And, and the same God that is the author of our life made that man's life. We all got one father and one maker. So, you know, God made that man poor, and God put him in that position 
So if we turn around and deal harshly with anybody because they're poor, mistreat them, we're insulting God by implying that he put them in a position of poverty so that somebody could walk on them. We say, oh, well, that's poor God don't care anything about that. God. And that's what God is saying in that verse. He that oppresses the poor reproacheth his maker. <clears throat> Proverbs teaches that God blesses the wise with riches and afflicts and afflicts the foolish with poverty too. <clears throat> Proverbs fourteen twenty four says the crown of the wise is their riches, but the foolishness of fools is folly. Matthew Henry said if one wasn't careful, he could get the idea that the book of Proverbs was harsh toward the needs of the poor. But that that you don't take into account the sensitivity and the protections that God gives to the poor, and he he puts that all through the the book of Proverbs here. I'll give you a few of them. Proverbs 14.24. No, no, I I just read that one. Proverbs 11.24. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth, and there is that withholdeth more than his meat, but it tendeth to poverty. He said, in that regard, a person who doesn't give like he ought to give, he's going to end up broke and poor because, again, he's being selfish with what God's giving him. But Proverbs 28, 27, He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack, but he that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. So God's saying, you know, if, if we take care of those who are in need, God's going to bless us. You can't outgive God. Uh, Proverbs 29, 7, the righteous considereth the cause of the poor. The righteous do, the wicked don't, but the righteous do, but the wicked regardeth not to know it. Again, God, God's showing favor towards the poor. He's not harsh towards the poor. But again, Jesus said, the poor you always have with you. There's all, it's just the consequence of living in a wicked, sinful world. Proverbs 29, 14, the king that faithfully judgeth the poor, his throne shall be established forever. So God has an interest in the poor being taken care of. It's not that he doesn't love them. Uh, that's just their lot, and some have to go do that. But you know what? They're richer than some of the people that are rich because they come they come to depend on God and find out how good He is and how much of a how much of a giver and how much of a, a loving Heavenly Father He is. When the rich man does all the things of this world, they never understand who God even is because He's never had to depend on Him. Everything He had was taken care of by His own hand, and He never felt a need for God. But uh. But anyway, Proverbs shows that there's other reasons besides foolish behavior, including laziness and indulgence that lead, lead men to poverty. <clears throat> but the point he's making here is is that to oppress the poor is not just an attack on them, but it's also an attack on God. If you take advantage of somebody who ain't got his, who's lesser, uh, who has less than you, you might as well be attacking God himself because God made him. Proverbs 22, 2. The rich and poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. But on the positive side, to honor the poor, when you honor the poor, you do something good for the poor man, you're doing something good for the Lord. The Bible tells us that in the New Testament. Jesus says so in in Matthew 25, 31 through 46. I'm not going to read that whole passage. But he, he says, Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when we saw thee and hungered and fed thee or thirsty, and gave thee drink. When we saw thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee. When did we see that? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, you've done it unto me. And of course, likewise, when you didn't do it, it was like you didn't do it unto me. So, you know, God's pleased when we, when we do bless, when we bless the poor, we do good things for those who are needy. 
you know, I will say this: you need to be careful and who you who you uh, give to, because people will just rip you off. I'm all for giving somebody that's needy, but let's have let's let's use our wherewithal when we're dealing with those situations. Because again, I've seen a many man stand there stand there talking about he was well, God bless you, and I'm hungry, starving to death. We'll work for food, whatever. If somebody handed him money, he'd make a beeline for that liquor store. I've watched that time and time and time again. There was fellas over in Paris at the Loop, and they were just out trying to get drug and, and alcohol money. So you got to be careful who you give to. But you know what? You run up on somebody sometimes, there'll be somebody who ain't got anything, and they're in a bind, and they need help, and it's obvious. And those times, we ought not never turn a blind eye if we can help somebody. But uh, anyway, let's keep going. Verse 32. Verse 32. The wicked is driven away in his wickedness, but the righteous have hope in his death. <clears throat> the wicked is driven away in his wickedness. Uh, you know, as we go through life and we look at this old world, and, you know, over the last 15, 20 years or so, things have really taken a nosedive, and we see, we've seen evil starting to triumph all around us. You know, and... and and I know we, we very well may be coming up on the very last days. We may be very well coming up on the Lord's return. I feel that as though that's the case in my bones, but, you know, preachers have been feeling that for a long time and saying that for a very long time. And who's to say that we're, we're actually right? It may be 20, 30 more years. We don't know for sure. But you know what? Right now, all I know is this. Evil is seemingly winning right now. It's what it looks like when I look at what's going on around us. Uh, I... I I've, there's a lot of shifty things going on in our world right now. A lot of really shifty, weird things taking place and going on, especially in in the news media kind of stuff. I, I mean, two guys fired the same day, two of the top guys on both sides. They could to make some changes in, in the lies you're being told. Because <laughs> it'll be a new set of lies and a new set of guys. But anyway, but right now it seems like evil's winning. But, but in the long run, they're not winning. Uh, in the long run, the righteous are victorious. In the long run, the wicked are defeated. And, you know, this proverb here has ultimate consequences. The wicked is driven away in his wickedness. I want you to notice there's a desperate condition of the wicked man when he goes out of this world. The Bible says he is driven away in his wickedness. The wicked man loves this world. Wicked man loves the things that are in this world. The Bible says, if any man love, love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. A wicked man loves this world. He loves this world so much he don't want to leave this world. He might have actually do anything he could just to live longer. And in fact, these wicked men all over this world are trying to develop ways to live longer. They're trying to develop. I seen something the other day where they've got, they've got these. Like bodies that they're hoping to somehow put their their consciousness into it. Uh, they're working on stuff like that. Uh, you know, those people freezes their bodies in the hopes of being thought out later. And, you know, the baseball player Ted Williams had head frozen. I remember that big deal. But people, they do. They don't want to live forever. I mean, they want to, you know, the, again, the, the whole idea of this cloning technology, they wanted to be able to clone bodies so you could have a spare you there in case you needed it. Your liver went out, you just take the liver out of that spare person, put in yours, and you keep on living. Uh, you know, they, they're farming they're farming people so that they'll be able to live. You know, that's crazy. That sounds like a bunch of nutty, crazy stuff. I wish it was. 
But truth is the truth is worse than you know. Truth is worse than science fiction. But I'm trying to say people don't want to die. They want to live forever. They're trying to come up with a way to live forever. And I got news for them. It will. The problem is where? That's the real problem. You're going to live forever, but listen, not in this body here. But the Bible says that when you go out of this world, you're driven away in wickedness. You know, again, they're driven out of it. They don't want to leave, but they're driven out of it. Their soul is required. It's forced from them. They don't want to. Their sin cleaves to them, though, when they go out of this world as they're turned into hell, as they're driven away in their wickedness, dying their sin under the guilt and the power of their sin, unjustified and unholy, and right over in the hell they go. Their wickedness is a storm that comes in and blows them away. Just like the wheat chaff is blown in the wind, blowing on this world. That's where they're going to be. But the righteous, the Bible says, has hope. Praise God, we got hope. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is shaking sand. Hallelujah. Verse 33, wisdom resteth in the heart of him that hath understanding. But that which is in the midst of fools is made known. Again, another contrast. Wisdom resteth in the heart. Wisdom is an interior quality. It lives inside of you. People that are wise, they're wise from the core. They're wise and done in the heart. It's not superficial. It goes all the way to the bone. And, and you know what? That's the way with a fool, too. If man's a fool, he's a fool all the way to the bone. He's stupid as stupid can be all the way. Uh, they're the opposite of wise persons. But it says, wisdom rests in the heart of him that hath understanding. <clears throat> understanding. You know, if you're wise, you ought to be modest. Modesty is a badge of wisdom. What I mean by that. Matthew 13, 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field. The which when a man hath found, he hideth. And for joy thereof, goeth and selleth all he hath, and buyeth that field. Now, now listen to that right there, what Jesus said. The man, he, he, he found a treasure hid in a field. And when he found it, he hid it. Now, the wise man has treasure. Amen. He knows the Lord. He's got the knowledge of God. He's got the peace of God. He's got all that living inside of him. The wise man hides the treasure he hides it so he doesn't appear boastful. He's not trying to brag on his wisdom that he's got. You know, again, he's not hiding it. He's not He's not trying to not profit by his wisdom. But, again, the wisdom rests in his heart. It's not carrying it around in his hands. It's in his heart. He knows what he has, and he, and he has it ready to be used any time he needs it. It's kind of like a pistol he's carrying in his pocket. I got wisdom. I got it with me. I'm carrying it with me. But like a pistol, I'm not out waving it around and firing it in the air everywhere. Right? And reckless with it. We, we need to be careful with wisdom. It talks about, it says, wisdom rests in the heart. The heart's the seat of the affections. We say, I love you with all my heart. I mean this with all my heart. 
all right? That's the sort of the, the seed of our affections. And so wisdom, if, if that's where the seed of our affections is, wisdom needs to rest in there. Wisdom needs to dwell in there amongst that midst of swirling midst of emotions to corral them and to reign them in. We need wisdom dwelling amongst all those things so that we're a balanced, stable person. Uh, you know, and again, I talked about wisdom being like a pistol. You can't do, you don't just wave it around. The second half of that verse says, but that which is in the midst of fools is made known. Boasting and showing off are marks of foolishness or folly. You know, the fools want to brag. The fool wants to show off and be a big shot. If a fool knows anything, anything, got any good grain of knowledge, they're going to take every opportunity, no matter how awkward, to talk about it and to brag on themselves or what they know. And they'll do it every chance they get because that's all they know. And they just want to run their heads to try to seem important. Uh, usually a fool will make their presence known because they can't keep their mouth shut. <clears throat> Proverbs seventeen twenty eight says, Even a fool will hold up his peace is counted wise, and he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. But once he opens his mouth, it's all over with. But as long as he keeps his mouth shut, he's in good shape. Matthew Henry said, many a foolish man takes more pains to show his folly than a wise man thinks it's worth his while to show his wisdom. In other words, most of you talk out there is foolish talk. You know, the Bible also says don't cast your pearls before swine. In other words, that wisdom is appropriate. Appropriate time to share wisdom with somebody. But I can tell you this. Shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that 
And let me tell you what's happening to America right now. America's being turned into hell, my friend. America's being dumped. Blake's being raked off right into hell because we have we have forgotten who brought us. We have forgotten the one who brought us, and therefore God has got to pour out his judgment on this country. We're not in the tribulation period yet. There's people all over this country freaking out and thinking we're in the tribulation period. No, we're not. God's just judging us. That's what it is. When God just starts to, to do all those things, listen, according to the word of God, we won't be here anyway. But I guarantee you, this is not the tribulation. Uh, but, you know, again, let me read that again. Righteousness exalted the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. So you could take, you could apply this this proverb equally to a nation as far as national righteousness, but you could also take this thing building all the way down to me and you, personal righteousness, because right, sin is a reproach to any people. Sin is a reproach in our lives. You say, what is a reproach? That means it's a disgrace. Sin is a disgrace in our lives. Shame. It brings shame into our lives. It puts us out of favor with God. Sin is a disgrace. The word disgrace, it means disrespectful to grace. And that's where when a person's living with sin in their life, unconfessed sin, they're being very disrespectful toward the grace of God without Jesus shedding his blood and dying for that sin, and we're just rubbing his face in it. It's no wonder America's being judged. It's no wonder that God is is raking her plate clean because she's 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 made him ashamed of it. All the blessings that God has poured out on this country, all the all the victories that God has given us as a nation, all the all the blessings that we've had, and yet people just mock God. People just spit in the general direction. People just people just laugh at, at the word of God and the truth of the word of God. Let me get the last one, verse 35. The king's favor is toward a wise servant, but his wrath is against him that causeth shame. Favor is toward a wise servant. I don't know if it says it, wise servant. I know we don't have a king here in America, but we have a president, and and we have people in Congress, and we have a Senate, and we have a, we have a Supreme Court. But you know that we're, ta- we're looking at this from the standpoint of a king. Solomon was a king. His daddy was a king. And he had people serving under him. And a king ought to have intelligent men serving under him. You know? That ought to be very, very wise men handling the business of a nation. You know? It ought to be men with, with, with a deep sense of what's going on. Uh, it, ought, it ought to be men uh, who very sound judgment, make very good decisions. Wouldn't you agree? Taking care of a nation, I mean, like, uh, it's economic department, it's educational department, it's war department. I don't think I'll be an education department. That's neither here nor there. But it's war department, it's state department, all those departments. You know, you need, you, need, you, don't, you don't need a bunch of, 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 uh, of a, uh, what do they call them, the, the, the trans community? Uh, that's what we got a bunch of them up there in the office now. They're trying to put a, they're trying to fill a cabinet full of those people. Um, but you know, I saw a good thing. I'm going to share this. With you. I got a few minutes. I know y'all ain't going to work there for the next ten minutes. But I saw a good video that I watched a good sermon. The preacher he said, he said, I just want to let you know I'm, I'm trans. 
and, and he, what he said was, I, I, I used to be a transgressor, <laughs> and but, but I've been transformed. And he was looking at the Bible, all these trans words in the Bible. It made a really good sermon because, you know, I, I'm trans. I used, to, you know, I used to be this, but now I'm this. I'm, I've been transformed by the blood of Christ. Amen. But, uh, but anyway, let's get through this and get done. But, uh, again, you need to have people serving under you that have intelligence. You need to have people that are serving under you that, that, that have a merciful disposition, not people that are, that are ruthless, but people that, have, that exhibit mercy. Wouldn't you all agree with that? Right? It doesn't seem to be but maybe a handful of them left up in Washington, D.C. But a man without intelligence, hear me, a man without intelligence will plunge the nation into trouble. Have we not seen that? A man without intelligence who is plunging the nation into, I don't know if he's calling shots. I think he's got an Obama earpiece in his ear that's telling him everything to do. But, again, that's my opinion. But, but uh, yeah, it's a lot of people's opinion. But, but And a man without mercy will end up getting the nation into disastrous wars. And we're seeing that taking place right on the edge of it, all the money laundering going on in the Ukraine. But, again, most wars are started by greedy men, that, that, that bad leaders, greedy men who, who corporately kill for profit and shift the lines on the map to suit their economic plans. Again, king's favor is toward a wise servant, but his wrath is against him that causeth shame. I want, I want to close by reading Psalm 120 to you. I want you to see if this doesn't sound familiar to the day we're living in. Psalm 120, 1 through 7, it says, In my distress, I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me. We're certainly living in distressing times. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. That's all you got to do is turn on the news. And there you go. There's that. We need to be delivered from the lies that are being told all around us. What shall be given unto thee? Or what shall be done unto thee, thy false tongue? Sharp arrows of the mighty. With coals of juniper, it's coming. God's gonna, God's gonna, they're gonna get their vengeance. God's gonna pour out His vengeance on the liars. Woe is me that I sojourn in Mesek, that I dwell in the tents of Kedar. My soul hath long dwelt with him that hateth peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. I read that and boy, it jumped out at me. I said, man, that that that. that that, that sounds like the world we live in right now. And, you know, just because I'm curious, I, I thought, Mesek, Kedar, what in the world? So I started flipping around trying to figure out what in the world David was talking about right there. It's interesting. Mesek, you know who Mesek is? Mesek was, he was the, uh, he was the son of Japheth, one of Noah's sons. you got Shem, Ham, and Japheth. If you know anything about those men, you know that Japheth, is the father of the European nations. In other words, he's our father in our lineage. Okay, Ham is the father of the of the black races, and and, and uh, Shem is the father of the Jewish races and several others. And, but but Japheth is is European Caucasian, if you will. Okay, so he said, "It's weird though." He says, "Woe is me, for I sojourn in Mesopotamia. So I'm dwelling amongst Caucasians, that I dwell in the tents of Kedar." He said, "Who is Kedar?" Remember Isaac and Ishmael? That Ishmael, Isaac, that's the Jews. Ishmael, that's the Arabs. Right? Kedar 
of Ishmael. So he's saying, it's weird. I'm not trying to make something out of nothing. I thought this odd. And I just closed you with this talk. You think on it. He said, I sojourn in Mesek, much a bunch, bunch of Caucasians, and I dwell in the tents of Kedar. He's amongst a bunch of Arabs. And he said, my soul hath long dwelt with him that hated peace. Isn't that odd? They don't, they don't want peace with us. They want war. He said, I'm for peace. But when I speak, they are for war. Amen. You try to be a believer and speak up, and you see how long the peace remains. There's going to be war. Listen, but praise God. I thank God that the righteous man, God's, God's got his favor on the righteous man. God's got, God's got us. God's going to take care of us. Amen. We just need to follow him, and we need to, we need to keep our eyes on him and follow his word. Let's stand together tonight. And let's ask God to bless us as we go from here. And uh, I look forward to seeing you Sunday. And uh, we're going again. We're going to have a fellowship meal Sunday. We'll have potluck, so everybody try to bring a dish and a dessert, and bring your appetite. And we're going to eat good and have a good time in the Lord Sunday. All right, y'all. Please remember to pray for us Saturday while we're over there on the highway traveling back towards the Dallas area. All right. Anything else before we dismiss? All right, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Richard, dismiss us in prayer.